Well, I don't know if you had a chance to look at the calendar, but it is the first weekend, the first Sunday in May already, and I think with Easter being a little bit late this year, that uh, May kind of snuck up on us, but it's kind of the month where school begins to wind down, and there are all these end-of-year events that sort of uh, fill the calendar, you know, whether that be... uh, concerts or award nights or graduation or prom or whatever it might be. Um, It gets busy in May. This uh, particular May for my family is uh, kind of a a first as we are going to be having our first graduation in the family. Uh, My oldest son is uh, 18 and will be graduating. And um, I would be lying to you if I said that there wasn't a a mix of emotions for me as dad. Some of you know that because I've already shared it with you. Um, But I, I, you know, let's be, let's be real. I'm very, very happy for my son. Um, Some of you um, have been in that same situation with kids before. But at the same time, I'm kind of sad for myself because I like my family of six, and I don't want him to go anywhere, and I want us to all stay together. Can that happen? Can you just go to college and stay at home? At a certain point, you know, you can leave, but uh, not yet, you know, type of thing. And so, there is this, this whole mix of emotions and as we enter this, uh, this month, and I, I know that I'm going to sound really like a really, really old guy, um, but I kind of am. I, I've learned a few things over the last few years, and especially this last year about life, that the years fly by fast. Um, I can't believe that Ezra's already 18. And that Chloe is 16. And then, I mean, I don't remember the ages of my younger two kids at all. It's too much, too much to remember. But the older two, I do remember. And man, it goes, it goes fast. You know, James, the half-brother of Jesus, once wrote, he wrote, um, life is a mist. It's like that breath in the cold Minnesota winter. You see it? And then 80 years goes away and it's gone. Right? The years fly by fast, but also one thing I've, I've noticed is that the days can drag on slow sometimes. <laughs> it depends what season you're in, I suppose, but I think of uh, families with a newborn child. Have you ever had a slow night? <laughs> As he or she just keeps crying and crying and gets up again and again. And I'd like to tell families with newborns that that season of the long days ends, but it doesn't. It just, it just changes a little bit in life, right? So when they're in kindergarten, you battle with, you know, getting them on the bus in the morning because they don't want to go maybe. But then when they're in high school, you battle with them to not wear shorts in the middle of January or whatever else you battle with with teenagers, Right? And there are long nights when they're younger as they come to you and they had a bad dream and there's longer, long nights as they get older and they're a teenager and they're not home from prom yet. And then there's long nights when you have no kids at all and you can't sleep because you're that age and the trips to the bathroom in the evening and at night are way more than you ever thought a person could humanly go to the bathroom, you know, and you can't sleep then either. It's a long night, right? It doesn't really totally change. It just changes a little bit. 
You know, as we've been going through graduation pictures and thinking about a party and all of that and seeing some different memories, I have to say that the, the pictures that we choose are good ones, are good memories, but it's kind of like the, it's like the highlight reel. It's like your Facebook page. It's the highlight reel of life. But most of life, most moments, most minutes, most days are not the highlight reel. Most moments, most minutes, most days, to be honest, at least in my life, are pretty ordinary and filled with ordinary things. And sometimes the ordinary can seem to drag on. And sometimes I'd like more than just the ordinary. Sometimes ordinary, it's not a lot of fun. Sometimes ordinary can drag on slow. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at an occasion in the disciples' lives. It was after Jesus rose from the dead, where they were kind of getting back into their new normal, kind of getting back into the ordinary without Jesus. And what we're going to learn, not with just with the disciples, but for all of us, is our first fill-in for today, that ordinary days can be filled with extraordinary hope. Now, for some of you, you've been going through some things, and, you know, ordinary sounds really good to you, right? But even then, it seems like the more that we experience ordinary, the more we take it for granted. So the ordinary days, though, can be filled with extraordinary hope. And I want to show you how that is through this appearance of Jesus uh, to seven of his disciples. So let me give you a little bit of context. So the disciples had just gone through what would not be classified at all as an ordinary week, probably the, the most influential week, the most memorable week of their entire lives. 2,000 years later, we've come to call it Holy Week. It started on Palm Sunday, where they and Jesus were kind of given somewhat of the, the rock star treatment, so to speak, as they came into Jerusalem to praises and to almost like a, a worship throng of people for Jesus. But it quickly turned into a week where they watched, where they watched as the person, one of the people they loved the most, was arrested and beaten and crucified and murdered and then buried. And then things got confusing as after his death and burial, they came to see Jesus alive again. And in that moment, they didn't necessarily understand how it all worked together, but it no doubt was a week they would never forget. So what do you do after that? Well, what the disciples decided to do was go home. You see, let me give you or show you a little bit of uh, Israel geography. Uh, Holy Week, all the events that you know, took place he right here in Jerusalem. Jesus' uh, uh, crucifixion in Jerusalem, the celebration of the Passover was at the temple in Jerusalem. And, but that's not where Jesus and the disciples were from. Where they were from was way up here to the north, uh, this, near the Sea of Galilee. And so after the events of a 
an amazingly uh, highlight reel in many ways type of week, they decided to go home to the Sea of Galilee area. And that took about three days of a journey. And while they were there is where we pick up our text as John, who was there with the other six disciples that day, writes about what he saw and what happened. John chapter 21. Afterward, Jesus again appeared to his disciples near the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter... Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. And so they're still trying to cope with this new season of life, and Peter decides to do that which he loved doing that which many of you love doing, decided to go fishing. Now, for some of you, it's therapeutic, and there's nothing better just to think and to work through thoughts than to be out on a boat in the middle of a lake throwing in a line, right? For Peter, that was part of it, I'm guessing, but it was also more to it. Um, Fishing had been his livelihood. That is, until the day that Jesus showed up and said, hey, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And I wonder if just a little bit of Peter thought in that moment where his future was still sort of coming into view as to whether maybe he'd have to go back to the fishing business or what exactly did this new season have in mind for him. It wasn't an extraordinary day. The last time they were on the Sea of Galilee, there were crowds on the shore as Jesus taught. One of the other times they were on the Sea of Galilee, Jesus and Peter were walking on the water. He calmed the storm. On this particular day, it was ordinary. Just fishing (laughs) and catching nothing. Verse 4. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't realize that it was Jesus. Why exactly? We're not sure. I think it's probably just a very obvious thing. Um, They were too far away. They couldn't recognize who the person was, but they did see someone on the shore, and we know it was Jesus. They did not. Verse 5. That person on the shore called to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? And if you've ever been asked that question and caught nothing that day, it's not necessarily the question you want to hear. You can probably hear a little bit of the disdain as they shouted back, No! He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And I'm just thinking through what the disciples are thinking on the boat. Like, okay, that sounds like great advice because we haven't tried that before. You know, the first few times I've read through this text in my life, I kind of thought maybe they just always fished off the left side of the boat. I don't think that was the case. You remember, they were out there for hours all night fishing. I'm guessing they tried the left side and they tried the right side and they tried the left side again and they tried the front and the back. They tried all of their favorite fishing spots, the place that they normally would catch fish, but all night it was just nothing. So maybe it's not try the right side for the very first time. It's, hey guys, just try it one more time. You have nothing. You caught nothing. Try it one more time. And for whatever reason, 
The disciples obliged and they threw in the nets one more time. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. And then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. It's Jesus. It's the Lord. Why was John so sure? Well, maybe the obvious answer from the text is they've caught nothing all night. They throw the net in one more time. And they have 153 fish, is what we'll learn later. A whole ton of fish. And that smells like fish, but it also smells like a miracle, maybe, right? Maybe that's what they— but there was more to it, I guarantee you. Let me tell you what I mean. When Luke wrote the biography of Jesus, he wrote about the calling of Peter and John and a few others— to be disciples and to follow him. And as they were being called in that day where they hardly knew Jesus, they were being called while being on the Sea of Galilee. Guess what had just happened? The day they were called to follow Jesus, they had been fishing all night. Guess how many fish they caught, Luke chapter 5? None. Guess what Jesus told them to do three years earlier? Throw the net in one more time. Guess what happened? They caught so many fish that two boats could not hold it all. And as all of this replays, John, I firmly believe, is thinking, is this deja vu? I feel like I've been here before. Ah, I have been here before. Jesus told us, to throw the net one more time and he gave us all these fish. That guy on the shore, it's the Lord. And even though things had changed for the disciples, and I mean it this way, that they were not going to be seeing Jesus every day the way they used to with their eyes see him. What Jesus wanted them to understand that is when it comes to his presence with them, Nothing had changed at all. He would not be walking with them and traveling with them and camping with them like he used to. But as they got used to a new season, the same power and the same presence of their Savior Jesus who rose from the dead and caused fish to come into a net would be with them. And in that way, things are exactly the same as they used to be. It was an ordinary day for the disciples after the hubbub of Holy Week. But in so many ways, there was nothing ordinary about it. And here's what I want you to know. Here's what Jesus taught them, that ordinary days, my friends, still today, 2,000 years later, are still filled with Jesus' extraordinary presence. And we need to know that and understand that. Because life can be a grind And the season that you're in may not be the season you want to be in. And the years fly by fast, but the days can drag on slow. And through it all, Jesus is with you every single moment of every single day. 
You see, when he rose from the dead, it doesn't mean just that you get to be in his presence for eternity. It means, it proves that every moment of every day and every night, moms, you are with him. And he, better said, is with you. In fact, this is one of the last things he told the disciples before he left uh, a few days after this fishing event. He said, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, here's the thing. If I ask for a show of hands of how many people know this, I'm guessing most of them would go up. But if I asked for you to be honest, if you live this way, I don't think as many hands would go up. You see, what needs to happen in our lives in those ordinary days that seem to drag on slow, in those seasons of life that seem to be a grind, in those moments that nothing seemed to be special except just that we're here, okay? We need to understand and recognize this truth, and we need to have it go from here in our heads and in our minds to right here in our hearts. Because here's the thing. We spend too many days getting up and doing stuff and then remembering this later. Especially if the day doesn't go well. But what would happen if we got up, recognized this, entrusted our day to the Lord who is with us, and then lived the rest of the day in that trust? We spend way too many days grabbing for this when we've got issues or a night with no fish. What if we started the day with it? What I'm wanting you to get to understand today in this message is that there are no ordinary days for a Christian. Your ordinary day is one spent with Jesus walking with you every step. If you take a deep breath, it's a gift. This moment, this day. The rest of this last year, with the bloomers together, this year, this life, every moment, a blessing from God, and he walks with us. And we would not have that breath if it wasn't for him. Some of you learned this in elementary school science class, that the earth is positioned in such a place in our solar system where if it was any closer to the sun, we'd all be french fries. And if it was any further away from the sun, We'd all be popsicles. And yet somehow, I mean, it's got to be chance. It not only is in the perfect place, but stays there. And while you and I are drinking our lattes and checking our Facebook messages and watching our favorite football games, someone is making sure it stays there. Surely, I'm with you always. To the very end of the age. There's not one day, one moment, one step that a child of God makes where God, where Jesus is not walking 
with us. You know, there, there are seasons where it feels like he's far, he's distant. Um, when I was growing up, there was a, a poem that my mom had uh, on our wall that many of you have had on your walls as well. Um, it's not as popular anymore, although many of you know it, especially if you're my age or older. It's called uh, Footprints in the Sand. Um, I bet it's been a while since you've heard it, or, and for some of you, you've never heard it before. As you think of the doubt we sometimes have of Jesus walking with us, I, I want you to, to, to listen to this quick poem. One night, a man had a dream, and he dreamed he was walking along the beach with the Lord. Across the sky flashed scenes from his life. For each scene, he noticed two sets of footprints in the sand, one belonging to him and the other to the Lord. When the last scene of his life flashed before him, he looked back at the footprints in the sand. He noticed that many times along the path of his life, there was only one set of footprints. And he also noticed that it happened at the very lowest and the saddest times in his life. This really bothered the man, and he questioned the Lord about it. He said, Lord, you said you'd walk with me all the way. But I've noticed that during the most troublesome times in my life, there's only one set of footprints. I don't understand. Why, when I needed you most, would you leave me? And the Lord replied, my son, my precious child, I love you, and I would never leave you. During your times of trial and suffering, when you see only one set of footprints, it was then that I was carrying you. You're seeing my footprints, my son. Remember that situation that you felt like you could never get through? You couldn't. It's because the Lord walked with you, and he got you through. Remember that new season of life that you thought would be horrible and you could never adjust? You couldn't. It's the Lord that helped you adjust and to get through. And yes, many days feel ordinary. I don't, I've never seen like a whole net of fish. I guess I'd have to fish in order to even have a chance, I guess. But <laughs> we don't always see what we perceive as the miracles of God's presence when we take time to think. There is extraordinary in the ordinary. <laughs> Get back to our text. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, that is John, it is the Lord. He wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and he jumped into the water. That's Peter for you. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. So John's like, it's the Lord. And he kind of has a balanced approach. Peter says, sees it is the Lord and he just does a cannonball in the Sea of Galilee and starts swimming towards Jesus. Filled with a whole bunch of joy and anticipation of being able to see Jesus. Now, this is really weird. And it's very different than Luke chapter 5. So that same day, Three years earlier, when Jesus helped them catch a miraculous amount of fish, there's a lot of things about that day that were exactly the same as this section after the resurrection. The disciples are in a boat. 
The disciples are fishing. They fish all night. They catch nothing. Jesus tells them to try one more time, and they catch a lot of fish. The main thing besides Jesus being on the shore instead of the boat, the main other thing that's different is Peter's reaction. Three years earlier, before he really understood who Jesus was, all he saw was Jesus' power. And here's how he responded three years earlier. Peter fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. See, when sinful human beings are in the presence of a holy God, our natural reaction is fear. Because that God can do anything they want with us. But it is when you begin to experience God, when you experience Jesus, that things change. And in that moment, I don't think Peter could have written um, in this moment three years later, when he jumped into the water, that he could have written a long dissertation about justification and reconciliation and substitutionary atonement and all that stuff I learned at seminary, right? But I know what he could tell you. I know Jesus now. And I know he's a God of love and a God of grace and a God of forgiveness. And even though there was this three-time denial that had been one of the last things that Jesus had seen Peter do, as he better understood who Jesus was, he wasn't going to fall in fear. But instead, he does a cannonball into the Sea of Galilee, and he can't wait to get to Jesus. 2,000 years later, that same grace is yours. Here's something else I know about ordinary days. That ordinary days are filled with Jesus' extraordinary grace. Every single day, you can get up and know that God does not hold yesterday against you. You get up with a clean slate. And yes, there sometimes are consequences of sin from the past, but there is not punishment for sin from the past. Because when we live in God's grace, every day is a day that we cannot wait to be with him and to know that, yes, while God is powerful and holy, his grace, because of Easter, is ours and forgiveness has been won. How does it close out? So when they they landed, that is the boats, because Peter is swimming, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat, dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come in at breakfast. I entitled this message, Breakfast on the Beach. Because I think the fact that Jesus would want to have breakfast with his disciples shows his heart in ways that speak to me so deeply. There was a lot on Jesus' plate, like there always is. 
whether it be keeping the earth in the exact same spot that it's supposed to be, whether it was appearing to other people, whether it was working as our only king forever as he would return to heaven. Jesus always has a lot to do. But what he enjoys is being in fellowship with his people. There's probably nothing more special you can do with a a family or a group of people than to have a meal with them, to come into the kitchen and sit around the table and to enjoy food together. We have a Savior God who wants to dine with us, and that is amazing. He wants to spend time in fellowship with us, and so my encouragement for you in application is to be strategic in filling your ordinary days with extraordinary fellowship with God. And very specifically, what I'll say is this. As you've heard us talk about before, are we spending time every single day in his word and in prayer? And if the answer is yes, great. But let me ask this then, next level. (laughs) Has it become something to do or something to look forward to? And yeah, we're all going to have our bad days when it becomes more of something to do. But just think about this. Every time we get into the Word, we're able to do what the disciples did that morning on the beach, to fellowship with the King of the universe. And so may it be something that we not only do, but we look forward to, that we find the right place, a quiet room, a good devotion book, the right section of scripture. And then may we quiet our hearts and our minds and recognize, I'm not just reading a book right now. I'm fellowshipping with my Savior because with Jesus, my friends, so many of our days might be deemed ordinary. But for a child of God, there is extraordinary in the midst of every ordinary day.